Welcome to Beyond Speaking with Brian Lord, a podcast featuring deeper conversations with the world's top speakers. This week, I'm really excited to have on Archie Manning. So a lot of people know Archie as someone uh, from football, which makes sense because he's an amazing football player with an amazing legacy. But in a lot of ways, he's so much more than that. He's someone who's given so much back to his community in uh, Louisiana and Mississippi and around the country. Uh, He's someone that is uh, one of the great fathers in the country, recognized by so many people for that. And uh, someone who continually gives back uh, to the sport and to the community in so many ways. So Archie, thank you so much for joining us here. My pleasure, Brian. Glad to be with you. Well, one of the things that that has happened, you know, obviously the past 10 months have, have been a uh, just an unprecedented time, just to overuse that word. And one of the things that have been so difficult uh, for people during this time is what to do and how to change and how to be leaders during this time. And so, you know, this presentation, this sort of moderated fireside chat um, is about, you know, when leaders should call an audible and how they should do that. So, The first question would be, you know, you as a leader, somebody who has raised leaders, uh, what does a leader need to do to build trust with their team? Well, I've always felt like um, as a leader to build trust, uh, number one is to set a good example. Um, uh, I think uh, people that that work under you, work in in, in a company, they look toward the toward the top people and they observe and of course um day to day whether it be communication or just uh see how they 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 carry on i think just uh, i've always felt like if you if you're not if you're not getting it done if you're not doing it right then how do you how do you expect other other people to do it so um i i think when you when you, when you go to work in the morning uh, especially as a, as a leader, is to set a good example for the the other people, and um, um, it's it, and that's that's going to be so important now. As you said, unprecedented this this pandemic, and um, there's so many stories there. It's just just countless things, and I mean, I even know know people that have prospered during this time in some rare companies and things like that. But the majority of people. Have never no, never experienced uh, any anything like this. Um, I equated a little bit, Brian. You remember I live here in New Orleans, and um, Hurricane Katrina uh, it knocked our socks off, and so it um, you know everybody kind of had to kind of unite and pull up their straps and 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 start over in a lot of ways. And I know there's so many people throughout the country that it, it's uh, got a uh, in, in, in some, some form or fashion start over. And, um, so it's a lot of similarities there. And one of the things that you as a, as a speaker, but also, uh, uh, you know, quarterback, uh, talk about now as a quarterback, there's a thing called an audible. So for those who don't know about an audible, it's when you've done all this preparation and everything else and you get up to the line and then you have to change what you've planned to do. Um, and that's one of the things that makes you so perfect for this time is, is being in that position where you are a leader and you're changing things. So tell us, you know, when do you decide to call an audible and what goes into that when you come up, when you're faced to something that you weren't expecting before you got there? Yeah, the, the time, especially as a quarterback, the time to, um, to call an audible is when um, you, you've got to change. 
You've got to change. What, you, what you've got called is not going to, at least in your opinion, probably your coach's opinion is not going to work. So it, it's change. And in our, in our society, in this world, change uh, is the most constant thing that we, that we, that we live with. And, and if, you're not, if you're not prepared for that, you, you can't exist. So it's, it's, it's almost constantly like a lot of things. I know a good uh, guy that's a really good golfer, and he talks about golf is a game of adjustments. Well, life life is a game of adjustment. Business is a game of adjustments. And it's never going to be truer than now as we come out of this pandemic and try to get back on track, get back to uh, uh, whatever our business is, get to where we were, and even and then go beyond that. But um, uh, so uh, I, football, you know, I use football terms is calling an audible basically it's it's being ready to, to change and make adjustments so uh for this we got a huge amount of questions from people that they want to ask and definitely if you are watching go ahead and ask those uh this one is from uh, jennifer lede can you share some times when you've had to call an audible both when you were successful and maybe when you were less successful when you call an audible well um <laughs> Uh, I'll go back to football first. I kind of talk about, um, I played 15 years of pro football and prior to that college and high school. And I, and I, I've often talked of it as, as almost two different lives. So my, my youngest son, Eli just retired last year after 16 years, um, in the NFL. So he's at that point where he's, he's beginning that phase two of, uh, of, of his life. And so in football, uh, I had to call, and I'm not talking about the, just a single play at the line of scrimmage, but a lot of things happened throughout the career where you've kind of got to call off. I got, I got we, we weren't very good. We're losing. We got changes going on in, in management. We've got change, huge changes going on every two or three years in coaches, head coaches, assistant coaches, and, and so forth. Um, that's adjusting to that. That's uh, that. That's an audible to try to. It's a start over. It's it's it, you begin again. Uh, I got traded. Uh, that's a real audible right there. Going to another city, going to another team, going to a whole new group of, of teammates. People people deal with that as they change change jobs. Um, got traded again. Uh, first time to Houston. Next time to Minnesota. Another. Uh, different part of the country uh, for me going going to Minnesota. Another uh, another coach, longtime coaching staff there. Uh, great um, uh, past that they had. So those those are changes. Those are audibles. Um, retire, start my second career, and different things there. You know, kind of okay. What what to do? Um, had a lot of had, fortunately had had some options, but got in the investment um, business. But then I was trying to juggle other things too. I'm getting uh, uh, invitations to do corporate speaking. Um, I'm getting invitations to maybe do some marketing with a with a company. Um, my boys uh, started playing pro football. They're involved in in some marketing things. I'm being asked to, to join them too, maybe in, in some of those things. So that. Um, Trying to juggle the investment business with a lot of a lot of other things, uh, is this is this going to work? Can I, can I, can I do that? 
uh, got into um, um, got in a, a health club business, kind of trying to run that, deal that, do all the other things. So, yeah, as I said, it's um, it's um, it, it's it's constant change. It's it's adjusting. It's um, uh, trying to do. You're trying to do the right thing. You want to do what's what's right for your family. You want to do what's what makes you happy. What you can be successful doing. So oftentimes those are those are pretty tough decisions to make. Mm-hmm. That is one of those that came up, and, and this is another uh, you know listener question here. Um, but it, it goes into that when you're moving around, you're doing these different things. You know, one of the things you're famous for being is is a is a great dad, and and your kids say that. I'm sure your grandkids would pass that along as a great uh, grandfather. But, uh, you know, for somebody who lived on the road quite a bit, you know, being a professional football player and then, you know, moving, you know, playing for three different teams in different cities. Um, so this is from Ryan Burke. But how did you balance being a successful professional and being a successful father? Um, I think one of the one of the things that um, my parents taught me was, was try to always maintain my priorities. And to line up my priorities and make sure you, you, you stick to them and your faith should be your number one priority. And then the next, I was always taught should be family. And I, I've tried to, I, I've tried to keep that. And as, you know, as the, um, as they say, the man of the house, it's, it's, I've got a, I've got a lot of responsibility there. I've got to, I've got to make a, try to make a good living and provide of um, uh, a living I'll, I'll, Mentioned we'll, we'll, next week we'll be married fifty years. Wow! Congrats. Uh, out of that, she needs a, a medal. She needs some kind <laughs> of medal. Yeah. Um, but I, I, you know, I, I enjoyed travel. I enjoy what I like most about what I like most about speaking is not ne- not necessarily getting on that plane and getting there, or maybe spending the night away from home. But I love meet meeting new people. I will, uh, and in 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 speaking corporate speaking, you meet successful people. You know, a lot of times you're the head of the company, and you get to know somebody and kind of his story and how how he got there and so forth. So, so I enjoy that, but I I, I don't enjoy. I never enjoyed you know being away f- from a family for a long period of time. But um, uh, I think there is the one good th- one great thing about football is uh, we didn't travel that much. You know, um, baseball, they go on like a two week road trip and basketball. They're gone sometimes on a road trip of 10 days. So we, we didn't do that. We, we play an away game. Uh, we leave on Saturday morning and we're back on Sunday night. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in training camp back in those days, we'd go away sometimes for four or five weeks and didn't particularly like that. But sometimes, when you, you know, when you're away for a period of time, your family's real glad to see you when you when you get back, and you, certainly you're you're glad to see them. But I tried to balance it, and I, you know they always say try to try to have that quality time when when you are there. I I was always tried to um, um, any way I could. And I could in in football. I could have breakfast with my kids. You know, up early, getting ready to go to school. And I would leave about the same time they they would. That's that's when I was required as a football player to be that. And then uh, after football, uh, kind of the same thing. But when you are home, try to make it quality time. Be around, you know, check in on your kid, on your children's uh, activities. Be part of their life. Um, home helping with homework is uh, that's good. That's good stuff. 
and uh, and also you know if you if you if you can as much as you can to have a have have dinner together and meals together uh we always we had a little something my kids used to call the the board meeting and it was just something that i, I kind of established as, as they were uh, getting a little older is on sunday night we had a board meeting and we would get we didn't uh, we never ate at our dining room table very much it, it you know it was that was kind of formal we didn't do that much but on sunday night we had a little we had a little board meeting around that dining room table and kind of just talked about maybe what's what's gone on this past week but what's coming up this next week and how are we going to handle that and how we uh, deal deal with the things that's going on in in everyone's life but it's just it's time with your with your family which we all love to have no, that's great. I've got teenagers and little ones, and that's uh, that is a really good suggestion. I think we're probably going to install that uh, into the offense on uh, Sunday night this week. <laughs> so that, that's great advice there. Uh, you know, you talk about as being a leader, whether it's your family, whether it's your football team, whether it's your business. Um, what are your tips for people on how to overcome adversity? Well, the one thing you just got to recognize, and and again is. Uh, recognize that um, there's always going to be change, uh, that you're always going to have to be making adjustments. Adversity is inevitable. It is going to happen. And now we could we can roll along and we can feel great and business is good and I'm healthy and my family's healthy and the kids won a, a football game on Friday night. You know, all things going good, but then something's going to jump up there. It's just, it's just the way it is. So, uh, I think to, to be in a mindset that, uh, when, when it happens, uh, not to go through this big drastic change, show a big, huge emotional letdown. It's it's about attitude and, um, dealing with adversity is, um, is, is absolutely to have, uh, to, to recognize that it can happen but deal with it and, and, and be positive about it. And, and, if it, and if it's happening to a family member, to a cohort at work or whatever, um, you're sympathetic about it, but in a, in a positive, in a, in a very positive way, deal with it and work to overcome it. Mm-hmm. Well, so we got a, a couple questions in here. Uh, it's actually two similar questions. So from Bill Stanton and Drew Colley, but basically, when do you decide to call an audible, basically, or when do you decide to make a change? You know, I, I make, you try to make a change uh, when, what, when what you're doing now is not working. And, <laughs> and sometimes, you know, we can all, as leaders, uh, coaches can be late make it, you know, they, we, we can be stubborn, I guess is, is the word. As leaders, I think it's very important for us to um, to, to ha- have an attitude that we aren't just dead set that our way is is the only way, and and that we've got to be flexible. We've got to listen to other people. We've got to recognize what what problems are. What what can I do? And talk about an audible. What can I change to make everything better? To make this person better? To make our company better? To make me better? For everything? Try to. Uh, if things aren't going just perfect, how can how can we work work this out? So it, it, it's definitely a, a a flexibility thing and recognize, but it's more than anything is is recognizing that change is needed, mm-hmm. and it, and we got to do it. 
So one of the things you talk about is that attitude is more important than ever. And it kind of goes into a question here from, from Gary Brott. Um, you know, what is more important when it comes to dealing with uncertainty, attitude or actions? Both, both. <laughs> you, um, uh, don't, don't try the action without the right attitude. So, you know, what, they, they, they're hand in hand, but uh, it's very important to act and uh, get, get, get things going, get, get, you know, I talk about getting back on track. I, I used to, I learned something um, when I was still playing football in the off season, I, I worked, so did some work with a car dealership a real outstanding car dealership. And they had a great program of where they had a dealer development program within their, not only their dealership, but uh, their their association, which was several dealerships around the country. And basically what it involved was um, people that are in sales in, in a car dealership have the opportunity to advance and, 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 and get into management and then get into other areas of the dealership and ultimately be a, be a dealer. So mm-hmm. it was, it was, it was really outstanding. So I went through that in the off season, maybe a little bit in a limited way, because I still had the, a few football responsibilities and so forth, but it was kind of learning that, but I know we've all bought cars and I learned something when I was in sales and um, we, we actually, before we, they ever put anybody out on the sales floor, they had six weeks of training. That's pretty unusual. Six weeks of just in kind of classroom and um, just product knowledge and those type of, type of things and, you know, going back and forth with, with each other before you really meet customers and, and try to uh, work on what they used to call the road to a sale. But one of the, one of the great uh, concepts I learned during that time was called get back to zero get back to zero. And I used it right away in football. Um, quarterbacks throw interceptions and nobody, no quarterback ever wants to throw an interception. A cornerback gets beat for a touchdown. It's, it, that's inevitable. It's going gonna, it's gonna to happen. But it was, it, we compared it in the car business is when you meet a customer and you tell them all the good things about the car, you take them on a demo ride, and then you know what happens then you go back and you go in that office right there and you got the, you write out the price and you hand them that pin to sign up and they say, well, I'm going to go down the street and look at, look at this product too. Uh, and and I'll, I'll check with you later. And that's, that's the way it works. And so you've spent three or four or five hours, whatever with this customer. And you know, it kind of all your momentum and your attitude kind of changed a little bit and you, you're down and then all of a sudden, another customer walks in the door. You've got to get back to zero. You've got to meet that customer and you got to go to work to try to, to try to make that sale. So, I, you know, like I said, I used it in, um, in football, try to do enough when I threw an interception to not let that go with me for the next series or certainly not the rest of that game. Certainly not the next week. If I threw three or four, which I did. So, uh, <laughs> Uh, it's just come up to, to me so many times in business and, and, and work and, and it's an attitude adjustment, but it's uh, getting back to zero. What suggestions do you have for getting teammates or colleagues to not let feelings and emotions play such a large role in how they act and think? I think it's, it's being a good example. I think if, if you don't do that, if you kind of level and 
it's it's being confident and 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 uh, passion and showing your passion for for what you're doing for your work for your uh, our our company our business that you know and a, a, love, a passion for it an appreciation for it and the attitude that you go about it it's 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 the example and then you if if you carry yourself right then you can sit down and talk with that person about about you know their 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 weakness there uh, uh but if you're a you know you holler scream go off here and there it's that's kind of hard to do it's it's, it's, an, it's in, you got to influence them by your own example mm-hmm. and that's one of those things too that's that seems to be part of what you do and others it's it's more of a calm uh sense of of leadership as opposed to you know others who are uh, I don't know if vocal is the right word, but, uh, but, but, you know, taking those actions in sort of a calmer way during times of change and times of stress. So I know that's always appreciated. Well, you know, that Brian, there are different ways to skin a cat and here, you know, I always go back to football and you talk about quarterbacks and you talk about quarterbacks as leaders mm-hmm. and sure. I mean, there was a, there was a, a, a quarterback who was before me, uh, Bobby Lane, and they said he would wait. He could really dress down his team, and you know. And I think a lot of people uh, looked at that and and uh, said, "Well, he that makes him a great leader." Um, uh, I, I, when I first started playing, Bob Greasy was with the Miami Dolphins, and they had these great teams, had an undefeated team. Bob Greasy mm-hmm. was just level as he could be. He just did his job. Set a good example of the rest of the team. Uh, there, uh, there may have been a time we go off a little bit, but never really in, in public, never really in the huddle, not on, not on, on TV. So, uh, uh, again, it's, uh, I, I'm not saying it's it's bad for a quarterback. To sometimes I, I did it a few times, where it's, but if if I really was going to kind of jump someone, I really tried to do it privately. I think to embarrass someone in front of. Ten other guys in that huddle. I, I never felt like that worked very good. You know, some guys didn't care, and maybe they needed it. But I just think it, it's a it's better to individually talk with someone, try to motivate them a little bit, make them understand what uh, what we need to do to to, to be be successful. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, we did we did do a question earlier about uh, you know some of that parenting and, and fatherhood and that sort of thing, but. I, I know that's one of the biggest things that people always ask for. So we have a, a couple questions on that. Um, so um, how did your relationship with your sons change once they became grown men? Well, I took them off allowance. <laughs> um, you know, two of them, my oldest son, Cooper, after college, uh, Got in the business world and very, very proud of him. He did really well in, in business. The other two went into went into pro football when they when they got out of college. Um, I think I think it becomes that now. I didn't. I was never. I never tried to be their coach uh, when they were coming up through junior high and high school. Even though I'd played, they had a coach, and I just didn't think it was my place. I wanted to be their their father. And not be their coach. And so now if they ask me, you know, at a younger age, if they ask me, Dad, you want to go play catch with us? I go. I'll go. But I never said, 
get your ball and bat or get your football. We're going to play catch. It kind of had to be them. So when they got into high school and college, I never tried to go over that coach with some technical things. Matter of fact, I just kind of dropped a lot of that. I just didn't, I didn't talk X's and O's with them. And I, and I really appreciated, I think they appreciated that they had a good, they had good coaches, but they would come to me with, with other things beside the X's and O's. How did, well, what about when I got to talk to the media about this, how should I handle that? Well, if they ask me advice, I'm going to give it to them. Um, um, Getting into pro ball, you know, kind of setting up life away from, from football, being away from home, being this is my profession now and get married and all, and all those, all those things. I think, over time, you kind of get away from the father-son relationship into a, a best friend type of thing. And I enjoyed that, you know, where I was kind of, uh, I felt like I was kind of their buddy and they could, they could ask me to do something. They could ask my advice. I, I, um, I, I loved that relationship rather than me just trying to be dominant over, over them. I mean, my, my boys are now in their forties and uh, they've, they've, they've been, down some rough roads and they've had the highs and the lows, but they, they, they deal with it. And, um, we, we have a great relationship. And, you know, another thing I've always told them and I've heard them say this, but I've told them often, I said, if you ever want to disappoint me is for y'all not to get along. I hate to see that. And it happens in our society. I hate it to see siblings that don't get along. And, and and you see it, and I I know sometimes it just happens, and maybe there's a good reason. But I, I've kind of studied it a little bit because it makes me sad to see it. And I'm as as one thing I'm really very proud of, of uh, especially my three boys. They're all married. They all got children. They all got you know this old this old world going through pandemic and all these things. But they still get along, and they and they have fun with each other, and that that makes me proud. Out of all the commercials that you've ever done, what are your favorites? Uh, a lot of people ask me about what of, of Peyton's commercials. Peyton's done so many, and Eli's done none. They've done some together. It's been fun, and but all of us, um, all of us have been in one. Even Olivia was in one. This was years and years ago. ESPN came to me and said, and ESPN does some really funny commercials. I think through the years, they've really done some great stuff. So we want all the Mannings in a commercial. I said, I can't get all the Mannings to Bristol, Connecticut. It's <laughs> virtually impossible right now. Peyton and Eli are already in pro ball. And, um, but we were in New York. We we're all going to be in New York. So I called the girl back. I said, I think we could get up there, but it's got to be quick. Peyton's got to go to a mini camp. So we'll be ready. We'll be ready. They sent me the script. We went in there. And, and so I don't know how many people remember. But basically, we're all the, uh, we're taking a tour of ESPN. And they said, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to go down. He's going to take us down there and we'll do the tour. And Peyton, you and Eli are going to be in the back. And y'all are kind of frolicking with each other, kind of messing with each other. And what does your dad usually do when y'all do that? And they said, he gives us the look first. First thing he does, he gives us the look. So he said, okay, we want the look. So we, I mean, we're rolling the cameras because Peyton had to go to a mini cam. We kind of need to get this done. And I was proud to say uh, when we did it, 
uh, we did one take on the look. They said, that's it. That's, that's it. <laughs> I don't know how many, I can't tell you how many people through the years have said, that's the look my dad used to give me, you know? So um, I, I think I've gotten more comment about that when it mostly uh, about, about the look. That is great. Now, how often now did the, did the boys just beat each other up? Cause it looked like they were, they were doing a lot. I've, I've seen that commercial so many times myself. I yeah, love it. That was, you know, you know, Cooper was two years older than Peyton. And then it was a five-year gap to Eli. So mm-hmm. when they were growing up, Peyton and Cooper, two years apart, yeah, they fought. I mean, they battled and they just competed and everything. But Eli was five years back. They just, I don't know, abuse is not a good word. They just messed with Eli, you know. I mean, <laughs> some of the things they just, they just played with him, you know. And, um so uh, he, 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 you know, as, as he got older, he kind of caught up. He, he kind of had to win his way. He had to get his respect to, to get in there to get in those battles with him. But uh, it was good. Thank you for joining us for the Beyond Speaking podcast. To learn more about today's guest, go to beyondspeak.com. Make sure to leave a review and subscribe wherever you listen.